0: Hello, this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. So last week we finished up a teaching that I had done on 2 Kings chapter 5 out of the story of Naaman. And we looked at each character in particular and we, we finished and we, we separated last week as a specific study on the servant of Gehazi, the servant Gehazi, right? He was destined to be Elijah's successor, just like Elijah was the successor to Elijah. We remember that story, right? Elijah received a double portion of what Elijah had. And I talked last week how I believe uh, Gehazi was positioned to receive even a double portion of what Elijah had. But there were some things that got in his way from finishing well. And uh, one of the things that we kind of talked about was outside of his greed, outside of him feeling like he deserved something uh, for how God was using him, we we really kind of narrowed down. At the core of it, there was a lack of the fear of the Lord, and that spurred on some teaching uh, last uh, last Sunday night, where I felt a prophetic urge from the Lord to jump into a specific teaching series on the fear of the Lord, and in specific how to grow in the fear of the Lord, because I really I really strongly believe that at the at the foundation of what God is doing in our community, what God's doing in our church, um, that it's going to be married with this concept of the fear of the Lord, something that I think we might have an idea of, but we don't really know what it looks like in practice. And so that's where this has been birthed. But if you remember, we talked about Gehazi last week, and we, we looked at him as one... That started off with such great potential, right? I mean, he had Elijah as a mentor. He saw God move. He was in the midst of the Spirit of God doing miracles. And uh, I mean, if there was anybody that was set up for success, it was this guy. But at the end of the day, he uh, he wound up a leper. He wound up with the curse of God upon his life rather than finishing well. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, at the end of my days, I want to be able to stand before Jesus. I want to be able to stand before him and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? We read Matthew chapter 7. We read the the startling things that Jesus says. And to be frank, he's going to tell some people to depart from him because he didn't know them. And these aren't people that are just kind of like, you know, they, they checked a box on a census saying they were Christians. These are people that were casting out demons. These were people that were doing signs and wonders in his name. These were people that were active in ministry that are going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And so it's always a kind of a a heart check for me when I read those words of Jesus. I read things like what Paul wrote, that he's got to be cautious that after preaching to others that he's still qualified, right? He uses language that's strong because I want to be able to stand before Jesus at the end of my days. Not with saying, you know what, I had a good 10 years of ministry under my belt and then I just kind of meandered off. And I kind of faded out at the end, and I kind of missed what God had for me. But I said a prayer one day. No, I want to stand before Jesus and have him walk eyes with mine with a familiar gaze and be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? My prayer for you is regardless of how you've started your journey with Jesus, regardless of where you are even right now with your walk with the Lord, is that at the end of your days you can say that you finished well. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the grace of the cross, is that regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of how your storyline looks right now, that there is opportunity to finish well. I love that, right? It's the thief on the cross where Jesus looks to him and says, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. He ran his race the wrong direction 99% of his life. (laughs) But at the end of the day, he was able to finish well. But yet, I think there's so many more stories and examples, even in scripture that I can find of people that started off well, but ended in a bad way. Gehazi was one of them. You look at King Solomon, I, I think he, he was another example of somebody that had all the opportunity to, to really exceed, but at the end of the day, he didn't finish well. It's what, it's what Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right? To fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> That's what he tells Timothy. I fought the fight of faith, the good fight of faith. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. At the end of my days, that's what I want to be able to say with 100% certainty. And I believe a key aspect of what keeps us in the race. I believe a key aspect of us being able to finish well is found in this understanding of what the fear of the Lord is. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Many of you might be. For me, it was a little before my time. But there was a, a televangelist by the name of Jim Baker. Uh, he was an Assembly of God uh, pastor, and uh, he wound up uh, he had a he had a telev- he had a program on television, and uh, he wound up having an extreme moral failure, where it was uh, it was pretty publicly broadcast. Um, I'm saying all this because I watched a recent interview with him, and I, I want to share a little bit of his story because I believe it's a, it's a really good example of what we're going to be talking about today. You see, he was an Assemblies of God minister. He was, uh, he was one of those televangelists on TV that would preach the gospel and leaned pretty heavily on the prosperity side of the message, from my understanding. Um, but I believe that he loved Jesus, even in his own words, he would say that he loved Jesus, and he would see people come to salvation. He, was, he had a pretty prominent ministry, and it all came crumbling down as he had an affair, and as he tried to cover it up. And all of a sudden, this came out that he was laundering money, and uh, he got charged with a bunch of bank fraud, and essentially wound up in prison. He lost his marriage, all of these different things, because of what was going on behind the scenes. And I, I I watched this interview with him as he was recounting an encounter that he had with another minister in prison, where the Lord really grabbed hold, really grabbed grabbed hold of his heart. And they were having this conversation about what it what it looked like. And in in, the, in his response, he he told this other minister that many people would look at my current situation with me being behind bars as a result of all the horrible things that I did, the people that I misled, and say that this is a pronouncement of God's judgment upon my life. And he said, but I actually view it as God's mercy because I would have wound up in hell had it not been for this prison cell. And he talked about, he. I mean, it was a powerfully moving uh, kind of uh, testimony that I was listening to here. And he uh, it was really kind of startling to me, not really having any understanding of who this guy was, but when he, when he made that, you could sense a genuine brokenness in him. And the, the other minister asked, well, what happened, Jim? When did you stop loving Jesus? When did you stop loving God? How did you wind up where you wound up? And he kind of shook his head, and with tears in his eyes, he said, hey, I never stopped loving Jesus. I just didn't fear God, and I believe that is a, 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 a kind of a, a a really strong picture of what most of, of what I would consider Christianity, at least in the United States, that I've encountered is kind of resembled in, wow, you guys get what I'm saying, that was a butchering of the English language, but... I say that in the sense that I believe many people love Jesus and they want to love Jesus, but they lack this thing called the fear of the Lord. And I don't believe it's because um, I don't believe it's because that it's uh, it's necessary. I think it's just something we don't understand. I think it's something that we don't comprehend in the regards of what Scripture actually teaches on the fear of the Lord. I think it's easy for us to love Jesus as Savior. But it's hard for us to embrace him as Lord. And when we embrace him as Lord and when we embrace him as king of our life, that's associated with a place of honor. And so when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, it's going to be directly tied with this Understanding of honor. And it's got to be for us, friends, not just loving Jesus as Savior, because none of us n- none of us would argue that it's a good thing to love Jesus because he saved us, right? None of us would, would none of us would discredit that fact. But the the truth of the matter is, is that he's deserving of reverence, he's deserving of awe and we're going to talk about this in a little bit. He's actually deserving to be feared because of who he is as king and as lord. In fact, even what we talked about last week um, at the it was not last week, it was last Sunday night. I talked about how there's forgiveness in God, therefore he should be feared. Right? That that, that that's a crazy verse of scripture where we where we look at that. It's not it doesn't say the love of God, we should or that there's forgiveness in God, therefore he should be loved. But there's forgiveness in God, so therefore he should be feared. It's one of those crazy things that, what are we talking about, right? Because when, when we read the New Testament, we think of things like what it says in First John, that perfect love drives out all fear, right? Well, how do we reconcile that with, God, if, there, if, if you're love and you're perfect, so perfect love drives out fear, and then, uh, and then other verses, and you've got this pastor up here that doesn't have shoes on because he's got a broken toe, uh, <laughs> telling us that uh, we're supposed to fear God. How do we reconcile those things? So I'll, I, I want to talk about this very quickly. Um, and just to address this, and we can talk about it in more in depth, especially as I'm going to do some practical teaching in the evenings on this. But simply put, when we look at that verse in 1 John, that talks about uh, perfect love casting out all fear. I believe what the author is referencing there is not uh, a fear of God, in a sense, but he's talking about a spirit of fear, and the fear that we would carry as if we're afraid of man's opinions, if we're afraid of what's going to happen to us, or even, in a sense, uh, a fear in being scared of God's judgments and these things Those are things that, as a believer in Christ, we do not need to be scared of. But I do believe there needs to be a holy fear of the Lord that we can experience, that we can live in, and I believe um, it's foundational. In fact, the title of my message this morning is that the fear of the Lord is foundational. And I, I mean that to say because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't exhaust this topic and I couldn't do it justice in just one sermon. So this is kind of me saying this is uh, part A and it's going to be continued. And so if you guys want to hear the rest of my sermon, uh, hopefully you do, uh, we're going to be talking about it for a number of weeks I feel like is what the Lord's stirring in my heart um, on Sunday evenings and uh, possibly on Sunday mornings, staying sensitive to the Lord there. But I'm excited for what God's doing. So the fear of the Lord is foundational. So as we talk about this, you might be saying, well, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? We're going to answer that question eventually. But, you know, do you guys remember the song that Rich Mullins sang? It's like, our God is an, I can't sing, <laughs> is an awesome God He right? You guys know that one? And then he gets down and he's like, he's got lightning in his fists, our, like, he gets that weird chorus. He's like, he's not putting on the Ritz. I don't know what that means. Maybe that's a disconnect from a generational thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that, uh, uh, wow, why am I going off there? I was wondering, like, what if we changed the song to, our God is an awful God, he reigns, right? You guys would say, whoa, that's, uh, like, awful. Like, we we carry a connotation of awful as something that's bad, right? Man, that pizza I made last night was awful. It had anchovies on it. Or, like... (laughs) Oh man, Pastor Nate's singing is awful, right? He can't hit a <laughs> right. That's what that's that's typically how we use the that word, especially in our context of where we are in this day and age. But did you actually know the, the archaic or the original meaning of that word is actually to be filled with awe and fear? You, you get it, it's awful, right? So full of awe. You can kind of see. The, the etymology there, how it kind of uh, translates. But originally in English, that word awful would actually be ascribed to things that were so wonderful or so grand that they filled you with awe. They filled you with wonder. In the same way it could be used to describe God as he's one that fills us with awe, but it moves past that place. He actually fills me with fear. Right? That's crazy. I'm not saying rewrite your hymn books or anything like that. But as I was studying, I was like, man, we could change so many songs and people would be thrown through a loop. And they'd be like, what the heck is going on here? God's not awful. Yes, he is. <laughs> right? God's not terrible. Yes, he is. He, He, He fills with terror. There's this aspect of the power of God. There's this aspect about the beauty of God that actually is something that we can't comprehend, that we can't in our sinful nature really understand. And I love this aspect of who Jesus is, that he's made us right with him, that we can experience it. Oh man, I'm, I'm going, that's not my notes. We're going to go down that way. In a, let's get back to scripture. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13. This is is the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. He says, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only, everybody say only, only, that you fear the Lord your God, living in a way that pleases him, and to love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. I love this. The instruction for us to serve the Lord and do what he says actually isn't for his benefit. I think sometimes we think of God as putting all these rules in place. So somehow that, you know, I mean, he's kind of just kind of this uh, rule setter that really just, wants to test us and make sure that we follow the rules. He actually says that if we follow his commands, if we follow his instruction, it's actually for our own good. Isn't that cool? Sorry, I love that about the Lord. But at the beginning of all this, right, we've heard that we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our heart and soul, mind and strength, right? We we, we know that we're supposed to live in a way that pleases him. We know that we're supposed to obey what he says, right? But before before the Lord mentions any of that, he, he says that you would fear the Lord your God. And I believe for any of the the rest of that statement, before we're able to live in a way that pleases Him, before we're able to love Him and serve Him with all of our heart and soul, before we're able to carry out His commandments for us and what He has in store for us, it's going to first reside in this place of fearing the Lord. I would believe that the fear of the Lord is foundational to a right relationship with Him. In fact, you know, that's kind of been the theme verse for what we've been talking about on Sunday nights is Psalm 25:14 that the friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him. Right? Intimate relationship with the Lord is set apart for those that hold him in a high regard. That hold him in a place of honor. And I believe that as we grow in this concept of the fear of the Lord, as we grow in our understanding of what the fear of the Lord is, um, both individually and corporately, we're going to see God transform our relationship with him, but I believe he's going to position us to see a move of God in our community, a move of God within this church and within this city um, that is going to be so closely tied to us growing in the fear of of the Lord. So I've said all this, um, and I want to make some clarifications here. So the definition of the fear of the Lord, or even if you just want to look at the Hebrew word fear, which is yare, it actually carries this connotation to fear, <laughs> <laughs> to actually be afraid. And most of the time when we read scripture, most of the time when we read uh, or we, we encounter this topic of the fear of the Lord, we we hear it transferred to reverence. Even some, even some Bibles will actually just translate it reverence, or that you're to honor the Lord. But I believe it actually is a little bit more than just honor. I believe that it's a little bit more than just revere, and I believe it's a little bit more than just to fear, <laughs> or just to be afraid. I believe that when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, it's that we honor Him in such a way that we're afraid of ever distancing ourselves from him. I do not believe that it's to be scared of God. In fact, if we look throughout any example where the fear of the Lord is used, it's always in a positive light. The fear of the Lord is always described as a positive characteristic. Yet in even some of the same chapters, even in some of the same verses where we encounter the fear of the Lord as a positive characteristic, we get instruction from the Lord to not fear, right? And this is where we have to draw uh, we have to draw a, a pretty clear line between, yes, we're to fear God, Yes, we're to fear him to hold him in reverence but we're not to be afraid of anything. We're not to I mean right scripture tells us that we're to be anxious about nothing, right? Scripture tells us uh, again and again there's commands throughout the old testament to be courageous and of good cheer to not be afraid. And so I want you to understand that when I'm challenging us and I'm instructing us to walk in the fear of the Lord, it's in this positive characteristic of honoring and revering God in such a way that he has first place in all of our life. So so to backtrack there, when I say we're not to be scared of God, um, a good example can be found like this. We We look at somebody that was scared of God. We can look all the way back at the beginning. Right back in the book of Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, when they fall, they're hiding from the Lord because they're ashamed of what they did. They were scared of God. Now, right, that's not the fear of the Lord. I, I need you to understand that because they were scared of God and they were scared of the punishment that was coming for them. Sometimes I've heard, I don't know if anybody has ever used this. I've probably used it. It's like I put the fear of God in their eyes, right? (laughs) Right, because they were afraid of what was coming. I want you to understand that the fear of the Lord is not a fear of hell. The fear of the Lord is not a fear of punishment for sin. Because every time that it's used, it's used in um, describing the saints It's used in describing the people of God and their relationship with God. Somebody that is scared of God, they're scared because they have something to hide. Somebody that is living in the fear of the Lord lives in a place where they don't want to be hidden from God. Does that make sense? Do you track with that here this morning? I want you to understand the fear of the Lord is living so cautiously That you're never found outside of his presence. I believe that that's what a healthy running definition of the fear of the Lord looks like. It's me, God, I don't want to live life without you. I don't want to displease you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to live in a place where you're so honored, where you have such A level of first priority that everything I do revolves around the fact of how is it going to affect you and how is it going to affect my relationship with you. Scripture actually tells us in Proverbs chapter 1, right, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of knowledge, right? We understand that. We're going to talk about that and it's going to be really good. But we go on to continue to read. to read the book of Proverbs, and we understand that it's not just knowledge and like, oh, two plus two equals four. And it's not just wisdom and conventional wisdom. It actually talks about knowledge of knowing him intimately. And I believe this is so true, right? It ties in with what we talked about, Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. If we're going to have close relationship with the Lord, it's going to be rooted in the fear of him. So Isaiah 33, turn with me here. Friends, if anything, this is designed just to be a simple introduction um, because I think for most of us, we know this, we've understood this, we've been around this language long enough to, to kind of uh, have a definition, maybe somewhat like this. If you've heard me teach on this topic before, you have probably hearing me say some of the same things. Um, But I wanted to have this kind of just as a a backdrop, as just maybe a a slew of information to really prime us for what we're going to be talking about for the next couple weeks. And that is how to practically grow in the fear of the Lord. Because I know this stuff. Like, I can write this down. I can answer the true and false questions about what the fear of the Lord is. But at the end of the day, I need His Holy Spirit to do a work in my heart do a work in my life that moves beyond what I know into what I experience, right? Does that make sense? And that's my prayer for us is that we would grow in the fear of the Lord. That, because as we grow in the fear of the Lord, that means the place of honor where Jesus has in our life also grows. And so as I grow in the fear of the Lord, God gets more glory from my life. As you grow in the fear of the Lord, God gets more glory from your life. As we grow in the fear of the Lord together as a church, he's going to receive more glory from what we do in ministry. And that is the reason um, for this teaching. That's the reason for us doing this kind of primer, if you will, on us talking about the fear of the Lord. But Isaiah 33 begins very interesting, interestingly to me. Um, It goes like this. Woe to you, destroyer, you who have not been destroyed. Woe to you, betrayer, you who have not been betrayed. When you stop destroying, you will be destroyed. When you stop betraying, you will be betrayed. betrayed." He's talking about the enemies of God here. Uh, In this context, he's talking about the enemies of Israel here, but the the, the enemy in general is going to be destroyed. This is awesome. It's great. And he goes on in verse 2 with this prayer. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for... For you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. At the uproar of your army, the people flee. When you rise up, the nations scatter. You plunder, O nations your plunder, O nations, is harvested by young locusts, like a swarm of locusts, people pounce on it. Take special note of 5 and 6 here. It says, The Lord is exalted, for He dwells on high, for He will fill Zion with His justice and His righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. What this speaks to me is that At the foundation of this rich store of salvation, of wisdom and knowledge, at the foundation of Him being uh, our source, is the fear of the Lord. You know, it could be a number of different things. It could say, you know, at the foundation of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, the key to unlocking this is love for the Lord. But in Hebrew, <laughs> they used a stronger word than just love because the one, that loves, the one that fears the Lord is going to love the Lord, right? I, I believe that with all my heart. And the key to unlocking this is the fear of the Lord. And so, as my introduction, friends, I'm, I'm letting you know that I believe that the fear of the Lord is foundational to all these things that we want to experience, right? We want to experience the salvation of God. We want to experience the wisdom and the knowledge of God. We want the promise of him being our sure foundation. We want these things. They're good things. And I believe if we're going to expect to see the things that we read about in this book manifest in our life in a real way, I think that we also need to have an appropriate understanding of us living in the fear of the Lord as well. To put it in an example, uh, and I used this example uh, last Sunday night. When I first met my wife, I did everything in my power to find a way to please her, right? Uh, because I was trying to get her attention. She's doing a fist pump up in the back, so you can know I'm telling the truth. Uh, <laughs> because I was in love, right? And I, I so didn't want to have anything jeopardize my chances with her. So, I mean, I was working out. I was like, I was the best version of me that probably ever was and ever will be. Um, I was taking Bino like nobody's business. I mean, I was, I was going through everything because I was so sensitive to the fact that I didn't want anything to go wrong. I'd be driving flowers down. It was like an eight hour drive. To get flowers, and I made this. I made this statement, guys. This shouldn't stop ever. (laughs) You shouldn't stop doing these things. But that was. I was so. (laughs) I was so. uh, I was so in love with Kelly that I didn't want anything to ever be able to bring distance between us. And friends, I believe that's what the fear of the Lord looks like when with our love with Jesus that we want to be so cautious because we so value our relationship with him. Now, I'm not talking about legalism here. And I believe that this is why we have a lack of the fear of the Lord in our culture, especially within church culture, because uh, a number of generations ago, not even that that long ago, we had a, a very much a, a legalistic kind of leaning towards ministry, right? I mean, women weren't allowed to wear makeup and <laughs> or, or these things, but they were still seductive, all these crazy things, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and we, we, we kind of missed the mark on what holiness looked like. And then the pendulum kind of swung, right? To where, you know, we're free in Jesus and there's grace and all this good revelation of the fact that God is good and he loves us and he wants good things for us. To where we almost abandon this idea of holiness, and I believe that either, either direction uh, that that pendulum swings is equally dangerous, and that the fear of the Lord is actually what keeps us on track, right? We understand that the, that the gate is narrow and the road is narrow to salvation, um, and I believe the fear of the Lord is what keeps us on the right course. And my prayer is that we would grow in it, amen? So, Father, I thank you for your church. Lord, and I, I'm asking that this lofty concept, Lord, that we could talk about for ages, Lord, that you would help us understand it better. Because at the end of the day, we just want to love you rightly, Jesus. Lord, we want to love you more than we do right now. And I believe that that is married to us holding you in a higher regard than we do right now. Lord, we don't want to grow daisical, Lord, in our approach to our dealings with you, God. Lord, we never want to come into your presence with a, with a common familiarity that we don't need to make a big deal about who you are. Lord, we want to hold you in our right place, in our right standing. Lord, we want our actions, every little detail to every little thing to bring glory to you. We don't want to be separate from you in any capacity, God. And so, Lord, I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your spirit to speak. Lord, I'm asking for you to move, that you might be glorified in Jesus' name, that you might be lifted high, Lord, and that you might receive the worth that is rightfully due your name as a result of what you're doing here in Pagosa Springs. Lord, with friends that are visiting God, Lord, we're asking just that there would be an increase of the fear of the Lord in our lives your glory and your fame. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.